This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. It's a pleasure to welcome C.S. Taylor, uh, who was a former Marine, and he is author of a historical novel called Nadia's War. It's uh, just out, published by Tiny Fox Press, tells the story of a Russian woman who served in the Red Army's 586th All-Female Fighter Plane Regiment, which fought against the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, in World War II. Uh, maybe before we start into that fascinating story, just a little bit about uh, uh, you, Mr. Uh, Taylor. I, I gather, and I'll just, I don't know, I'm hoping I'm blowing your cover. Uh, this is not your, I and mean, this is a pen name that you've used uh, f- uh, for this book. Your uh, real name is uh, Galen Serlak, and you've written other uh, works that are, you know, kind of a different a kind than this, and didn't want uh, people confused. Correct, correct. Uh, my the, the one that I that I have out for just as a quick example, the one I have out earlier this year. It's um, it's a it's a sci-fi kind of light sci-fi, and it's a programming. It's very lighthearted and and fun geeky, if you put it that way. So <laughs> okay. I didn't want people to pick up that book and think, oh, that's going to be very similar to what they're going to get out of Nadia's War and vice versa. That They're, they're completely different genres. They're completely different tones, completely yeah. different settings. Yeah, so this I, is... I wanted to keep those separate. Yes, well, this uh, this current book, or Nadia's War, is uh, really very um, well-researched and also it's uh, you know a compelling story, something I really knew uh, nothing about. And uh, l- let me ask you, and, and this is the Historian's Podcast, we're interested sure. in the history here. Uh, tell us sure. about the USSR's, it was called the 586th All-Female Fighter Regiment. How did it come to be? Uh, sure. I mean, just like you, when I first stumbled on these on these all three regiments, actually, I, I had no idea about any of them. And, and so I'm reading about, you know, these all-female uh, regiments. Uh, one was the fighter regiment, which was the 586, and the two bomber regiments, which were the 587th and the 588th. I didn't know anything about them. So how I how I kind of came onto it, and I guess I should probably back up a little bit. Let me give you the setting of the war, because that'll tell you how the how all three fighter regiments or the bomber regiments, too, came into into being. So... You know, since 1935, um, when that kind of rolled around, the Soviets were planning for war possibilities with both Germany and Japan. And then by April of 41, uh, basically the Soviet-German relationships were completely gone, and the Soviet intel was picking up on on offensive preparations by Germany. Um, And then, you know, Stalin obviously wasn't wasn't a very peaceful guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so even... um, Though he was kind of posturing for peace from April to June of '41, which is just before the Germans attacked with Operation Barbarossa, uh, Stalin was already gearing up for war with with Germany. Um, but even with all this kind of gearing up, come June 1941, the Soviet Union wasn't ready, and when Germany attacked, they were the Red Army air was just caught in this really bad situation. Um, they they had the largest air force compared compared to Germany, a larger air force. They had about 9,500 combat aircraft mm-hmm. for the Red Army Air, but they they were all obsolete because they just they just didn't upgrade them. Um, you know there was a lot there was a lot of kind of paranoia, and they had this great surge that um, a great purge rather that made um, innovation really difficult for both the engineers and the and the pilots and the commanding officers. Uh, just for just for a quick example. Um, 
one of the um, engineers who designed a prototype aircraft was actually shot and killed because a prototype crashed and they thought he was sabotaging them. Mm-hmm. So when when the war started, finally in, in 1941, um, the Soviets were really behind the game. But that said, even though they were behind the game and they suffered all these losses, they lost about 1,200 aircraft right from the start when the Germans attacked. All these women came to volunteer. They said, you know, we want to fly. And they, at first, the Russians didn't know how to handle the, the, the volunteers. They, they basically, you know, they didn't have a system in place. Um, so they kind of turned them away at first. So there was um, a very famous female pilot, uh, Marina Raskova. Mm-hmm. She was a national heroine. She set the world record for the uh, longest flight at the time for a for a female nonstop, and she traveled from Moscow across Asia. And I can't remember exactly where she landed, but that was 1938. So she was the head of it all. She's the one that kind of decided, I, I want to make this group of female fighter pilots. I've got this pool of literally thousands. I mean, there were thousands of female civilian pilots um, who had graduated all the air clubs around the country. And so she wanted to tap into that. So she she was wasn't really um, backed by a lot of people, but she had a, she had enough connections in the higher ups, and she actually had the ear of Stalin. Mm-hmm. So when she when she wanted to do this, she basically got to do it. So she formed what was the 102nd uh, 122nd Aviation Group, and they originally started training in in Moscow. And this this 102nd group would then split into the three regiments. But as the um, Germans made their gains and they started pushing east and they started threatening Moscow, these regiments then transferred to Ingalls, mm-hmm. which is an Air Force base um, northeast of Stalingrad, about 200 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me ask you this. Is, I don't know a lot about what the you know, Americans did in connection with mm-hmm. female uh, pilots in World War II. I was just talking with a friend of mine who said that there there were uh, you know American women flying planes, but they were in supposedly uh, support or supply Correct. roles. Right? But maybe a they lot were, of they them, were ferrying the, the yeah. planes from the states to the to the to the England to New England, England. Yeah. and which yeah. is dangerous, and and then probably a number of them died. But uh, why were did the USSR have an abnormal number of female pilots, or what was there any special reason for that? Or well, that that, that it depends. It, it, the, the answer is going to come down. It depends on which historian you ask, <laughs> because nobody really knows exactly why they finally decided we're going to pull these women and we're going to tap into it. The the the, the kind of the, the safe bet is that you had you had this national heroine Marina who who was just loved by everybody, and she was already in the she was already in a major, so she was already in the armed services, and she was a pilot, and she wanted to bring these women into combat, and she literally had thousands of some of the best pilots ever with you know six seven hundred eight hundred hours of flight time, which is just an absurd amount of flight time, you know, and, and you're comparing that to you know some of the male recruits would be lucky if they had twenty or thirty, but when they first volunteered. Mm-hmm. So, when they when they when the Russians finally, when the Soviet Union finally first decided to bring the women, and they were originally going to just be instructors, and they were going to train the male recruits, but Marina said, "No, that's not good enough. I want I want fighter pilots. I want bomber pilots." And also, and so, well, I mean, would it be correct to say that in the USSR, I mean, the war was there. I mean, this was a pretty desperate uh, battle correct. or fight correct. for for the for the Russian people. 
Yeah, correct. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's different for us when we think, okay, you know, we're we're going to help another country, but we're you know we're doing it across the pond to speak. You know, here the here the Germans were advancing, and so it was everybody was was being tapped into, you know, to support one way or another, and so they 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 decided, you know, we we need to um, protect as much as we can because these these bombers the bombers were going after targets at night the uh, the 586 was there to protect it was a defensive regiment it was there to protect the, the high value targets like the bridges and the railways at first and to do escort missions with the idea that some of the mail the mail fighters would then be going to um, like interception and and kind of make sure they had air superiority over like Stalingrad and Moscow and places mm. like that. Now, you write about the, the fighter unit, of, of mm-hmm. female fighter unit, the 586, but you know, right. I, look, uh, I looked up some stuff on the, on the bomber wing, which were called the Night Witches. And, Correct. And the thing was, uh, and again, I don't mean to seal your thunder or maybe I'll give you the wrong thunder, but I mean, I was just, uh, I don't know where the word is shocked, but they... The, the night witches, the bomber wing, flew these outdated biplanes yes. and said they were yes. so slow uh, yes. and they were hard to shoot down. They yes. glided in to bomb, which made mm-hmm. them silent, and they Correct. flew so low they didn't even give them parachutes. Right, and, and, and that's, that's this, the 588, uh, um, which is the night witches. They were the first ones I stumbled upon. And, and if people are, you know, the people who are aware of kind of the contri- contribution that these female pilots made, most of them are aware of the, of the night witches because that's the story that's most well known. But even then, there's not a lot about them. So I read about them first. But, yeah, they, they flew these biplanes that they were so slow that they were the slower than the – the fa- their top speed was slower than the stall point of the German fighters. So the German fighters just couldn't hang with them long enough to shoot them down. But that said, they would fly at night, and like you said, they would cut off their engines, you know, when they were making these dive bombing runs. So, you know, it would be completely silent if you were on the ground, and all of a sudden bombs would start going off. And, and yeah, they didn't have parachutes, and, and it was – the stories that I read from them were just amazing. But when I was, you know, thinking about, you know, what story did I want to tell, and I was just kind of like working out plot points and timelines, they didn't quite work mm-hmm. for me. Um, and, and again, other people were riding on them, and I kind of wanted to do something new. And then I moved to the 587th, which was um, – I toyed with them, and they flew, which was the PE-2, which was this top-of-the-line bomber. It was, it was an incredibly prestigious, fast bomber. So even the male, the male pilots would have been very jealous of all the female pilots flying this bomber. And I kind of ran into the same thing. It's just timelines weren't quite lining up. So then I moved to the 586, and I can you know, talk about them all day. Mm-hmm. All right, well, so let me the, let you. Uh, the, <laughs> the 586, it was not only female pilots, but also female mechanics. For example, you have a in your book, I don't want to tell too much about the plot, I suppose, but a love interest between Nadia and her female mechanic developing Correct. in the book. But then eventually the Soviet high command, or whatever you want to call it, brought in male mechanics for some reason. Correct. Why did they bring in male mechanics? Well, they, they added a third squadron to the, to the whole regiment, which was all males. And before that, just to fill in kind of some of the gaps, they had some, some male support, but it was mostly an all-female regiment. It was kind of created as an all-female regiment, but just logistics and, and certain needs at the time said, we need to add some more guys. Mm. And so they added these males, and then they ad- eventually added, the, added, added the, um, the third squadron, which was all-males as well. Um, so the, just to, I guess to kickstart the discussion on the 586, they were created in – they entered service in, in April 16, 1942. That's when they first started flying combat missions. And before that, everybody had been training all through 41. Um, the 586, they flew a, a Yak-1, 
which uh, is, is very similar to, to the 109, to the Luftwaffe 109, the Franz. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny, and, and I, I really just kind of thought of this not too long ago, that they had the same rivalry that if you mm-hmm. think about like England had the Spitfire mm-hmm. and they were going up against the 109, that was kind of like their, their paired rivalry. Well, the Yak and the 109 on the Eastern Front were, were the paired rivalry, except mm-hmm. the, the Yak and the, and the 109, the Mesher 109, they, they were almost identical. It, it, it's really interesting. The, they had very similar top speeds, which was about 400 miles an hour. Their roll rate, their climb rate, their armament, even. They both had two light machine guns in the nose and then a 20-millimeter cannon through the spinner. So very similar setups. Um, but the 109F had, had some armor over the, over the head to protect the pilot, but this resulted in kind of limited uh, view in the back. So, mm-hmm. the, so the Yak-1 pilots actually enjoyed better visibility all around, but the uh, 109F had uh, these slats in the wings so they would kind of deploy automatically when they were making very low speed maneuvers to kind of keep it more stable which then translated to a easier way to dogfight it wasn't as intensive so the pilots had a little bit easier and and this just goes back to the Luftwaffe was much more prepared for this war than the Soviet Union was Hmm. Go ahead. We'll be back in a moment with C.S. Taylor, author of Nadia's War, an historical novel set in the USSR in World War II. This is Bob Cudmore. We depend on your contributions for financial support to keep going with the Historians Podcast. Keep the Historians Podcast on the Internet by making a donation online at GoFundMe.com forward slash Historians 2017. Send a donation in the mail. Make the check out to Bob Cudmore. Send it to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Thank you. We're talking with uh, C.S. Taylor, author of Nadia's War, and that's a a novel about uh, the USSR in World War II and a fighter regiment that was uh, all-female staffed, the uh, pilots and the and the mechanics, at least for uh, some part of the war, were all uh, women. And uh, I would like to bring out uh, C.S. Taylor that you're um, you were you served in the U.S. Marines, and I gather you were interested in b- becoming a pilot, but you had a, a an accident or something like that, and you couldn't do it. I I, I did. Uh, I from '96 to '99 when I was in undergrad, I was with the Sixth Motor Transport Battalion in Orlando, which is a reserve unit um, with the goal of once I graduated my undergrad, that I'd have my degree, and then I'd go on to OCS, and I really wanted to fly. I wanted to fly uh, jump jets, the Harriers, uh, but just being a little careless as a youth will be, I managed to go one direction, and my ankle decided to go another, and I broke it. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, that that more or less ended ended my, my Marines at yeah. that time, just because you know, complications, but I haven't ever lost the interest in flying and all things flying and, and dogfights in general. So, Now, you also explained to us that this book is somewhat, of a, or maybe not more than somewhat, it's a departure from the usual fiction that you uh, write. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the story that you tell in this book? Sure. So, so Nadia's War, the story is, again, as the title suggests, its story follows a, a pilot uh, for the 586, Nadia, from August 13, 1942, up until the Soviet counterattack at Stalingrad. So plot-wise, you, you join her pretty much when she's 
been assigned to the unit only for you know a, a few weeks, and, and she's gone up on a handful of missions. And I'm not I'm not trying not to give away too sure, much the plot me. because I think it's good. But in in the beginning, you know, she 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 goes up against one of one of the most skilled um, units the Luftwaffe has, which was the JG3, the UDET unit, and and she promptly loses badly. So, so the so the pilot who shoots her down, and, and this is part of the plot, is you know her trying to find out who shoots her down, more or less becomes her white whale. You know, she she wants a second try mm-hmm. to to match up with him, and so as 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 the as the plot goes on and her and her skills go on, she's you know really hard pressed to to develop her skills. So the next time she meets him, <laughs> she will be the victor, and and you know you can find out how that, how that goes. Mm. How um, did you? Uh, learn how to write authentically in a, in a woman's voice. You know, it, it's 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 all about trying to get into somebody's head. You know, and, and and it's not necessarily a woman, or it's just any character. I think. And so, so what I did is, is part of my research is I read um, all these accounts of of females. Especially the female air women in World War II in the Eastern Front. There, there's this really great book. It's um, A Dance with Death, which is mm-hmm. Soviet air women in World War II by Ann Noggle, where she actually interviews survivors um, in, I think she went in like early 90s. So she went over, she actually went over to the Soviet Union and found all these, the survivors of the war of, of all three regiments. And so she, she was taking down their stories. And so I was, you know, trying to get into their heads while I was reading, you know, what they were telling her of how things were working. And then I tried to translate that to my characters and to how the historical figures were acting in, 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 in that way. So, so that's how I kind of got into their heads and, and kind of got that voice out. Also, I, I collected a few names uh, from the, the Internet of uh, the USSR's uh, female fighter and bomber pilots. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if um, well, these will be familiar to you, but let me name one or two. Sure. There was Lydia Litviak, who was Jewish. Yes, the White Rose. Yeah, yes. and she, like so many of them, and she she died at the you know in the war, right? Right. She she started out in the five eighty six, um, and and part of part of my book and was kind of the challenge is, is one is I had to make the historical timeline match, especially with you know the unit accomplishments and who was in it and who did this. And, and Lily Litviak, the White Rose, that was her call sign. She started out in the five eighty six, and she was one of the most accomplished female pilots, even one of the most accomplished pilots that the Red Army Air had. But she was transferred, and this is again part of the book, because it follows the, the, the timeline. She got transferred to one of the male regiments that was protecting Stalingrad to help out there. Mm-hmm. And that's where she became an ace. So it, it's funny because like a lot of the 5A6 accomplishments were accredited to other units because their pilots started getting transferred out. And mm-hmm. some people, again, it depends on the historian and depends on the recount that you, you look at. Some people say it was because, well, they were trying to help out. But the, the first commander, Tamara Kazanova, she has some, we'll just say some political people that did not like her. And some people thought she was a bad commander and some people liked her. So, so there's a lot of gray area there. But some people think that she transferred Lilia and seven other pilots to these other regiments to get rid of her because Lilia and a bunch of others didn't like her and they thought she was a bad commander. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of purging her ranks in that kind of sense. Mm-hmm. And, and go ahead. No, I was going to say, and another name I found, Ekaterina Budanova. That... Yes, yeah, she was, she was, um, she was another one of the aces, I believe mm-hmm. that, um, and I'm trying to remember. I think she she flew with the the first squadron. I, I know the name. I'd have to go back to my sure. notes. But yeah, yeah. But and then and there were several others that I found. You know, on 
no mm-hmm. lesser source than Wikipedia about right. these uh, <laughs> uh, female fighters and bomber pilots uh, in the Red Army. But the Red Army also had female uh, snipers, uh, anti-aircraft yep. crews, yep. and so forth. Yeah, they 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 really tapped in in into their female source pool for for the lack of lack of a better word. Uh, but but for some reason, the the three regiments, the the 586, 87th, and 88th, their accomplishments have have just now been coming to light, which I found mm-hmm. really surprising. Like I, I knew, you know, even 20 years ago that there were female snipers and there were female tankers and there were female medics and and air anti air gunners. But I had, I really had never heard of the night witches until probably you know five or six years ago. That's probably the earliest. And they were involved in the Battle of Stalingrad, which really was this horrendous battle went on for months. I mean, don't some call it the I mean the like the worst battle in history. I mean in terms of Oh ab- absolutely. Yeah. So 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 the Battle of Stalingrad officially starts at the end of August. So it the Battle of Stalingrad is starting a more or less within you know fifty pages of, of Nadia's war. So so even in the beginning, you you can you'll 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 see the the German advance on Stalingrad and, and how the forces reacting. So yeah, so so the five eighty six was was part of of the counterattack because they 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 needed everybody. I mean they, for the most part, leading up to the counterattack, uh, the five eighty six was again protecting the high value targets. But they were also running escort missions for for VIPs that had to had to go to Stalingrad and. And the Luftwaffe, up until about mid-November, just completely dominated the skies of, of Stalingrad. It, it wasn't even close. It, it got so bad that the Red Army Air couldn't even send planes up in the daytime because the Luftwaffe would just promptly obliterate anything that was flying. <laughs> so, so these girls were, were, were going against not only you know incredibly skilled pilots and, and aces in a war machine that was, at the time, seemingly unstoppable, but they didn't even have any support because... Again, the, the Red Army Air had basically surrendered the skies to, to the Luftwaffe. They were flying, you know, maybe at night a few times, but they didn't accomplish much. Mm. And I believe you said that part of this book takes place when the Russians begin to have success in the – or they begin to push back, and they, you know, eventually, what I believe they encircled the – the German Correct. army at Stalingrad. Correct. The end of the book deals with the actual counterattack. So, again, not to give away too much of the plot, but this this is fairly well-known history. You know, end, end of November, mid to end November, the, um, the Russians launch their counterattack, and they envelop the Germans at the city. And when that happens... During their first counterattack, uh, they they threw everything at them. All, all their remaining planes, all their you know their their their, um, their bombers, their ground attack fighters, everything went there. And and the 586, along with all the other male regiments, you know, all contributed one way or another. Hmm. And again, we mentioned how this one died and that one died. I mean, a, a lot, I mean, a lot of people died in World War II, and certainly a lot of Russians at Stalingrad. But did most of these female uh, pilots uh, die during the war? The the 586th throughout the entire war, but, and, and the records are kind of spotty, and that's kind of what I kind of got me frustrated when I was you know, doing my research. Um, they lost they lost about a third of their total strength. Um, so you take their total you take the total number of, of female pilots they had, and they lost about a third of them. Hmm. And you, you need, the numbers are always plus or minus, you know, a few. So they, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20. Um, probably were were KIA or missing. Where did they fly from? I mean, uh, I wonder what life was, or do you have any way of finding out what life was like for them when they were on the ground? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was, that was part of my research and part of part of what I really liked about reading these these recounts was was all the little things that they they did you know just like life on the ground and it's part of the part of the book i mean it's little things you'd never think of like so they didn't have antifreeze in in their planes uh, at the time so you know to keep the the engine blocks from from icing over and cracking during the winter especially they would drain the water but the water would come out really hot so instead of just wasting it you know they'd wash their hair with it um Which was kind of neat. Their 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 base at uh, Anasovka was actually overrun with with mice, which I thought was really funny. So right. especially at, when things started getting colder, I mean there, there was mice everywhere. Apparently, like they couldn't walk even to the chow hall without you know running the risk of stepping on mice, which was kind of interesting. And one of the pilots had a one of the more famous pilots in, in the books has a really big phobia of mice, and it's there's some funny stories with yeah. that too. Um, they, they slept outside for the most part in the summer. They'd usually sleep under their planes, but then, you know, when winter rolled around, they'd go, they'd go into these, uh, these bunks, you know, like bunkers, but they were very prone to flooding. So <laughs> it was like, do you want to freeze or do you want to sit in ice uh-huh. cold water? <laughs> and uh, I, I did read about one of the famous Russian female aces who died or that when they found her, I mean, it was in the winter and, her, and she had frozen to death in her, in her plane. Yeah, she 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 ended up um, making a, a t- ditching her plane, and I believe that was December. Um, and it was actually part of a flight, and I'm I'm trying to remember trying to remember where she was going to, but I know the story because I because again it was part of some of their their recounts. And also, um, you said they ferried people. Like somewhere, I picked up this little factoid. Hope it's true that uh, one of the female pilots would frequently fly Khrushchev here and there because he was. You know, some kind of official even then, back in the uh, in the USSR. Yeah, they they were they were, and it, and it kind of goes back to their original purpose and when they were originally created. That you know, the male units would be the ones you know competing for the skies with the Luftwaffe, while the female pilots were kind of doing the the defensive high priority, the VIPs, the fairings. Um, so so they did they they protected a lot of people even, which. Um, just getting back to kind of their their general attitude and their daily life, it frustrated a lot of these pilots because they wanted to be on the front, they wanted to be in the dogfights. So they, you know, so a lot of times they had standing orders not to to pursue, you know, just kind of chase off. So so if the Luftwaffe came to the target, they were they were protecting, and they chased them off. They had to turn back and and, and not pursue anymore, and that frustrated a lot of them. Um, it even started frustrating their their commander uh, Gridnev, who took over um, about six months into their creation and he and he wanted the same thing he said i want to send these girls into combat and he had nothing but praise for them i thought they were you know some of the best pilots that russia mm-hmm. ever had to offer what so, happened after the war did they keep using female pilots so after the war the 586 was disbanded it wasn't it wasn't around for more than a few weeks um they 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 were um after the battle of stalingrad they went with the russian push all the way west um and I'm trying to remember where they ended up at off the top of my head. Um, I want to say Vienna, mm-hmm. but they, but from, from Stalingrad on, they, they, they pushed West with the Russian army. Um, and when they started pushing West, they saw a lot more combat. They, they, they were there to intercept bombers a lot more. They made a lot of ground attacks, but once the war was over, they, um, they were disbanded, which this kind of goes in, into to the, one of the stories real quick um, that they, they never got their guards unit designation, which is you know this, this really big honor, especially for the, the Army Air, and the other two units did, and the 586 didn't. 
and there's you know conspiracy theories and and theories that uh, Tamara, who was ousted, kind of had this chip on her shoulder, and she didn't want anybody to get credit for the, her unit that she was kicked out of. So they think she blocked it. Um, but by the time that they realized that Moscow never got their paperwork, which was all set, the war was over and they were disbanded. Mm. We've been talking with C.S. Taylor. He is author of uh, a historical novel. It is called Nadia's War. It deals with the Red Army's 586th All-Female Fighter Regiment, which fought against the Luftwaffe, the German Air Force, uh, in uh, Russia and also in um, farther west in, in Europe during World War II. Uh, Nadia's War, the uh, name of the book, it is... Uh, uh, published uh, by, you'll have to tell me, I'm losing it. No, I found it. It's published by Tiny Fox Press. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. <laughs>